Welcome back, friends. I hope you're not in a rut, but sometimes it happens. It certainly has happened to us. And sometimes the reason we get into ruts is we find things that are very valuable to us, things that are important, and yet we don't get outside of ourselves enough. We don't get outside of our little sandboxes to play with others and and other lands. One of the reasons we think it's so important to indeed step outside and to get out of these ruts using texts and people and travel is because it helps us to understand our home better. It helps us to understand ourselves better. And so on this episode, we're going to talk about how we ourselves have been helped by this idea of of getting out of the normal reading ruts that we've been in and really gone deep over the last, uh, you know, six, seven months with the writings of Lao Tzu, or these teachings that come to us, and they're called the Tao Te Ching. It's not just about the Tao Te Ching today, it's about how some of the ways in which our exploration of this ancient classical Chinese text has been helpful in our own lives, and ways in which there might be similar angles for you to jump out and explore and be better for it in the long run. Come along. I'm so glad you're here. Baby, you know what? This this life is is filled with excitement these days. <laughs> excitement is an interesting word. I mean, it may be exciting, right? But, you know, exciting good, exciting bad. I mean, it, it, it can be stressful for a lot yeah. of people. We have so many things that, that clutter our lives. We've got technology. We've got all these voices. We've got constant demands. I don't even remember what it was like before emails and texts just kept buzzing my watch or my my pocket with with the phone you know used to be you go check the mail and maybe you'd answer a few letters but now Mm. it's just kind of non-stop and it's it's you know it's good and it it comes also with its disadvantages right i suppose it's better than being bored (laughs) well you can stay in easy contact with people um Mm. (laughs) of course but then also i think the it's it's important to stop and pull yourself away and unplug sometimes too, or shake up everything because it could be easy to just get into your regular routine of, you know, checking your emails, you know, obviously your, your texts, then social media or something in, in the news. And before you know it, there's been a lot of depressing stuff in just the first couple hours of, of, your, day. of your morning. It can be very overwhelming. If you're not careful. <laughs> And one of the things for me is I'm a professional ideas guy. Mm -hmm. So sometimes I need to find a way to unplug with ideas that are healthy and healing, but maybe don't make my head work so hard. Yeah, That's kind of, I think, partly where we're going with this. That, you know, sometimes I can just listen to music and that'll be calming. But sometimes I actually want to give myself a mild white noise, a a light stimulation that isn't so stimulating that it's aggravating or I can't sleep. Mm -hmm. And that's really how we got into the Tao Te Ching in the first place. In many ways, I think, for me at least, I I purchased an an audible version of it, and then we had a couple others that we found on YouTube. And for me, if I was being, uh, you know, if I was a little stressed at night, if I put on just somebody reading to me the Tao Te Ching, it allowed me to contemplate something, but not something that was going to force me to be arguing with it or compartmentalizing it or criticizing it or memorizing it. It was just let it be. 
And as we were listening to these words from, from Lao Tzu, the Tao Te Ching, we were also trying to understand it, not just in terms of the history and the language and the philosophy, but through life. We were trying to understand it as we were traveling the United States of America in our truck camper. And, and that really led us on, uh, on a journey that took us to a place where we decided we were going to create our own version of it that, that really spoke to us and hopefully spoke to other people. Yeah, I want to back up because I was going to, I wanted to mention about um, yesterday, you're talking about like getting in ruts and stuff. And yeah. it's funny because that's one of the reasons why I appreciate uh, having a dog. You know, it's just something in t- totally different where I have to yeah. go out and take her for a walk. It's and, a drag sometimes, and, we, and thank <laughs> you for doing it. Yeah, we kind of, and we kind of knew that that was also, you know, good to be like forced to take care of something else or forced to do something else that gets you outside of yourself. Yeah. And, one of the things that's been really kind of interesting lately, and I don't quite know what's going on. We, I mean, we had her as obviously as a puppy. She's about a year and a half old now, and she's starting to slow down a little bit more. And so on our walks, it used to be just this constant on the go, and I appreciated that, right? Right. <laughs> and I wanted to get some exercise myself. Now I see her stopping and wanting to just lay in the grass a little bit more. I mean, she'll still do some of the walk, but sometimes she's like. Fighting me against it, right? She and, got old real fast, but I like it. It's, I'm like, I just wanted to cuddle there. I wonder what she's going to be. Well, and I kind of think if it's not, you know, going full fledged running on the beach, you know, she just appreciates being outside, but doesn't need to just be walk. So I've noticed in Bindi this desire for her to want to just stop and and lay in the grass and get her belly rubbed, and and that for me has been both reward at first frustrating, but now. I'm thankful for it. And it's been extremely rewarding because it literally forced me to stop, stop whatever mission I was on and just be there for a second and be there with her, (laughs) be there at the park. And there's been so many things when I've just been sitting there in the grass and the people that come by or the, you know, the watching the playground and everything unfold that it has been, I don't know. I've been getting it's, these like it's I, been your education. <laughs> this, I, well, you I've know. been getting these insights too, like of of life and things that like just kind of like watching human behavior and and seeing like how in ways that I can get so caught up in 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 what I'm doing that like I miss the opportunity to actually play in the moment, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, or whatever. Well, there was a time when I joined you and it helped us to translate one passage from the Tao Te Ching that was difficult for us. Mm-hmm. And I think if you don't mind, I want to just mention this because yeah. it's just one minor thing, but there's a, there's a, uh, a term in the Tao Te Ching straw dogs yeah. and it's related to Chinese ritual practice. And it goes back a long ways, generations, generations ago. But we don't have that same ritual that tradition, or like right? It, yeah. I, yeah, I don't know what it would be, and so we had a difficult time understanding how to translate that idiom for essentially an American audience, you mm-hmm. know, or an English-speaking audience. And we were we were walking the dog as we were trying to crack that that nut, trying to figure out what is it that that we could use to illustrate this theme. And the idea is, there's something that's important to you that has nostalgia, has good memories, has some kind of sacred significance, but also something that you will disregard later. That is this little straw dog, this little, right? It has a very limited purpose, but it has a purpose, and right. there's something, there's a beauty to it, but it's, there's no attachment in the same way. There's, yeah. there's a reverence for it, but, yet 
no did, attachment. Yes, that's right. So I was thinking, well, we could say, you know, Mardi Gras beads in, in New Orleans, but that's not <laughs> no, that's not it doesn't right. capture enough. Or, you know, or like a peep. You know those little like those little uh, Marshmallow oh, animals. I do no, not you, like you know, like I know some people do, but, no, I, but that doesn't work. That's a so and, and, and it misses out on what you're creating. Part of it too is that there's a piece of art or something right. that is, you're you're involved in the creation of it. Oh, we could have said maybe, uh, and this is the idea that the Tao treats the individual beings in the world like they're straw dogs. That mm-hmm. is that they that they have this short span really but they're still important there's still this important dance but mm-hmm. they're not eternal mm-hmm. and anyway we may change it but i was going to say we could have we could have used maybe the gingerbread house something that you're going to create at christmas but then ultimately it's not a permanent house it's you know you don't expect it to last forever but we and, at least for the time and by eternal here i mean I, I think too part of it is just that as far as our time here on earth it's a limited time right right like the fact that you made that with your mom the gingerbread house is an eternal thing that happened Mm -hmm. and it, and it has a resounding ripple out into all existence, but the thing itself, you're going to eat it or you're not going to eat it. You're going to throw it away. It'll crumble. Anyway, we were walking, I think much better is we were walking and we saw that the chalk drawings on the sidewalk, we saw that there was this evidence of a family that had been there. There was little kid shoes that are left on the the bench. I don't know why they left their shoes, but it was cute. (laughs) It was a great little... It made us, you know, just... And we can see from the various parts of the drawing that there was different skill levels (laughs) in the drawings as well. Maybe different age children, Different age groups. And it was... Anyway, there was a a kind of a moment that we could at least imagine that there's maybe a, a, a mother or father there with their child and making these drawings together. An, an important and probably memorable moment for decades to come mm-hmm. for the parents and for the children. And yet it was about to rain. So the child's chalk drawing on the sidewalk is going to get washed away. Well, and even if it wasn't going to rain, the sprinklers come and wash it. Something's going to wash it away. <laughs> it was not anyway, so it long for this world. Sure. N- nothing lasts long on our little sidewalk paths in between the, the green grass stuff. But yeah, so there was this this point of, you know, there's like a, something that had value there for all of eternity, but yet, and there was it was beautiful, but yet there was no attachment to it. There was no, anyway, so that, that helped with the Tao Te Ching. So we translated, instead of saying uh, the... the straw dogs we said right. the sidewalk chalk drawings and we wouldn't have figured it out if we, we stayed at home right yeah. <laughs> if we were just nose in the books mm-hmm. just looking at the commentary yeah. and maybe you know maybe that's not the right choice but the idea is sometimes you need something yeah. to get you out of your normal rut to get that creativity to get that insight yeah and as you started to introduce you know basically with us for the data jing we were going through a point where we were working on the Protect Your Noggin study, and mm-hmm. we were very deep in, in reading the Bible and just all Jesus all the time, all this Jesus yep. stuff. And we wanted something that would, you know, serve still a purpose for like helping us to, you know, center ourselves without really being the Bible, because that's what. Like at that point, we were so entrenched with that that we needed something from almost like a different source. But we needed something to to give ourselves a way to cleanse our palate. Kind yeah. of like when you're having sushi. Mm-hmm. Friends, if you don't know, the, the little ginger there that you have with the sushi, that's there to eat between your sushi morsels so you can cleanse the palate and really refresh that flavor. And so for us, 
Lao Tzu's Tao Te Ching helped us to do that. And in the process, I think you would say, Stacey, it really helped us to better understand a lot of the things that Jesus was saying. Yeah, and it is interesting because there's a lot that happens in each of these tiny little chapters. Yeah. And you go through and hear the whole chapter, and then you just start to kind of like, hmm, what was being said there, and think about it. And then we were listening to it, the audio version, and we were already moving on to the next chapter. Right, it was too fast. Yeah, and, and it was one of those things where it was like, wait, let's back up, and what is being said here? And when... We were just hearing the audio. It was really kind of hard. And one of the things, too, we've even looked at other translations. And when you look even at the various like translations, it's saying you're still wondering sometimes what exactly is going on. So yeah. for ourselves, I mean, we found it. We could tell that there was nuggets there, right? Right. But we just couldn't like fully understand it. And, and But there is definitely... Uh, a sense of us going through all of this, looking at all the different translations that we can sort of unpeel some of the layers and, and see the depth that's around it mm-hmm. and then kind of understand it. And our hope through our translation is that it'll be a little easier to read the first time around. <laughs> right. That's kind of what we're after. I think for us, one of the things we were most interested in was not trying to create a scholarly translation, if by that we mean something that will appease other professors, you know, in terms of that accuracy, but rather finding a way to communicate without footnotes some powerful insight that is entirely accurate as we look at what Lao Tzu was trying to communicate. Mm -hmm. So not worrying so much about the idioms as we've already seen. I'm not worried about carrying over the idea of straw dogs so much as the insight. Yeah, Yeah. What did the straw dogs experience communicate you right. know, when it was used in the original. And again, this was just something that we were doing for ourselves and we figured we'll share it with you all too. Yeah. So anyway, there's, well, a, we there's were doing... so much there. So what is the Tao Te Ching? Is it a religion? Yeah, well, the Tao Te Ching is not a religion. But Taoism has a shamanic uh, aspect to it in its history where you've got maybe more like indigenous style animistic religion mm-hmm. with like little spirits and, and so forth. You've got talismanic magic. You've got stuff that's closer to feng shui or herbal medicine, all of that stuff. What that ends up being is just a whole long list and accumulation of Chinese folk traditions. And that's not really what we're after here. Those are interesting things. And sometimes like Tai Chi, people find them helpful mm-hmm. and interesting. What I'm interested in is the way in which Lao Tzu can be a helpful a helpful philosopher for life in the way that Socrates would, understanding, you know, what is it to really know yourself and to know the world and in right. humility and courage and so forth. And so, no, I mean, this text itself is not religious, but it's certainly not religious if you mean, is it speculating about the gods? Mm-hmm. You know, that's really not no, something that this is not. about. Yeah. For the most part, what I find refreshing about Lao Tzu's Tao Te Ching is it allows us to have a, a genuine conversation mm-hmm. for people that maybe come from various backgrounds. It's accessible to everybody, and it's a nice meeting place for us to talk about what's good, true, and beautiful. So, yeah, no, not, not really religious. One more question. Is it cultural appropriation? <laughs> Jesus isn't owned by anybody, any, right. any race or you know, color. And, and neither is Lao Tzu. It's perennial wisdom. So wisdom is wisdom. Right. It's, I think, the height of hospitality 
and generosity for us all to share our greatest riches, right? right? Our, our cultural riches, and then sometimes, you know, to repent of the cultural mistakes that we've made. Right. But when something's beautiful, to, to well, bring it on, yeah, this isn't and it's Chinese. Flavored, yeah. It's flavored with, you know, the backdrop of from which it came, it's, yeah. but it doesn't mean that it can't apply. A lot of times people want to filter what we expose ourselves to and right. they want to do the work for you and then just tell you what you should be reading or not reading. Yeah. And I think what's so much more powerful is to be able to read, understand that you're not going to agree with everything that you're hearing and right. that some of this stuff, yeah, you, just because you're reading it though, you're not going to get tainted by it. Right. right. Like you aren't forced to accept or believe an evil idea or, yeah. you know, I, I think with, yeah, with what you go to college, we travel and why, you know, part of it is so that we can broaden our understanding so that we can get exposed to different things and change our minds on certain things. When we think about this idea of protect your noggin, the concept for the podcast, one of the things that's always distressed me when I was younger was this idea that when, when we were growing up in evangelicalism, people would say, just listen to Christian music. The thing that's interesting is, well, what... What kind of uh, imprimatur, what kind of guarantee is it that somebody calls themselves a Christian and creates an album and that we should listen to those words? It might be that their real God is materialism <laughs> right. or money or something like right, this, right? right? And I think that that's actually the bigger danger. Yes. Trying to say that we're only going to listen to our people. Well, when we listen to our people and we've deemed somebody, quote, our people, if those people do something dangerous for our minds or our bodies or our finances, mm-hmm. it's hard for us to know to judge it. Right. And so actually when you kind of get everything out there on the open and say – Let's just bring it all out here. Let's get the conversation going and then teach ourselves and others how to evaluate these things. It's a much more helpful way to proceed. Right. Because, well, and some other people are going to notice that, gee, I can monopolize on, you know, sharing whatever this is with this group of people and they're going to buy it. Right. Because I'm talking this language. So it's... You know, we, we could be a very naive crowd sometimes to just absorb certain information that is given to us or or just to buy something just because it has a certain label. So it is definitely, even if you think it's so-called safe, it's still very, you very much need to keep your wits about you while yeah. you're, you're evaluating. Um, you know, what do you want to spend your time and money on? And I found it extremely helpful for me. It It added a depth to my faith. Like there's a way in which there are some things that are concepts that I had a hard time understanding in the Bible right. that all of a sudden had a, like a, oh, I see that in a, in a different way as well kind of thing. So it, it adds a whole nother layer of meaning behind it. And sometimes even just sort of like, even if the Tao Te Ching is saying something slightly different, but I can go, ah, oh, aha, I get this over here in what's being said in the Bible right now. And that I found has, has been extremely helpful. And I think sometimes... Whenever you are involved in a, a project or something, you do need to pull yourself outside of it to get the, the the ahas, right? I think there are times when we get so caught up, like we've mentioned before, in our own little bubbles that that you become irrelevant in a sense because you've stopped living life outside of it. <laughs> I, I was thinking maybe you're thinking about Tao Te Ching chapter 5, which was a very troubling one, which basically is talking about the the, the way in which uh, the rain falls on the good and the, and the mm-hmm. bad at the mm-hmm. same time. I mean, that's actually a biblical concept, mm-hmm. but it was in 
our translation and our deep study of chapter five of the Tao Te Ching that made us angry, but also the book of Job made us angry yeah. and Jesus saying that justice and injustice befall people almost randomly. That made us angry at God. It made us angry at Lao Tzu for saying that the Tao is right. this way. And yet by studying it longer, we realized it's actually very important for us because it'll, it'll help us to get away from the just world fallacy right. that wants to assign blame to somebody who's suffering. Yes. So there's something deeply powerful, but it wasn't until we read Lao Tzu on it and forced ourselves to be frustrated with it until we could understand it, right. that we could finally understand what was going on with Jesus in the book of Job. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. So Stacey, what about, what about this other you know, matter? Is this, just, is this just us jumping on some faddish self-help bandwagon? Would you say this is just self-help nonsense? <laughs> I think it will help yourself, but no, I don't think that it is, um, it, it, it's not, the Tao Te Ching is not just empty advice. Right. It's not just, oh, how do you feel better? Right. You know, it, it is, it is deep wisdom and there are some guiding principles there that I honestly do believe if you incorporate into your life, it, it, you will be more peaceful, uh, in the process yeah. and, and perhaps hopefully find an actual deep joy. You may not always be happy. Right. <laughs> you know, you may not always, and, it, and it's not about like fixing yourself as much. It's, it's more about laying yourself down so that you can g- get out of the busyness and of the doing of life and actually living life. And so I think there's a, a wisdom there that has helped kind of separate me, I, I get so involved in certain details. And, and so when I'm making dinner or, uh, I don't know, doing the bills or whatever, I just get so honed in on that, what that one thing is that you even, you know, you look at my face and you're like, okay, you're in some other world right now. <laughs> right. And I'm deep in my, plead the my head <laughs> and, he, and he's also simultaneously going, uh, oh, you know, usually when I come out of that, I'm not in the best of moods. And I think part of it is is that that I think that sometimes taking life and some of these tasks too seriously has a very negative effect in my overall, like I'm just too much in my head. I'm not actually enjoying life and seeing the beauty around me. And I think it has, the Tao Te Ching has helped me to like stop and, and think about these things. It helps you relativize it. So in, in my life, for instance, the same thing. I will still have physiological reactions to things that stimulate anxiety in me. But I have another part of my brain, thanks to Lao Tzu, that says, don't take that as absolute. Don't take that so seriously. Mm-hmm. It can't fix your psychology instantly to make you not right. stressed about these things. But it can remind you. The perspective. The perspective that my body might be anxious about this, but it doesn't really matter in the long run. It tells right. you what's kind of important and not important. And I and I also think that it offers a there is an empowerment there as far as you're not it it, it isn't trying to tell you to you know how you're going to be more docile or more compliant. You know, there's a yeah. selflessness that it teaches without uh, you know, it's not where you're going to stay in bad relationships or things like that because you're just trying. It's it's not about making everybody get along or or even you being okay with, you know, the harm that's going on around you. Right. It's more about sort of pulling yourself out of this 
uh, trap or this loop of thinking that this is the only way to do something. Right. Buying and, in, buying into the game that people are playing gives the game a lot more power than it needs to have. And I see it more as a philosophy rather than a, like say a, a self-help guide. Yeah. No, it's a life philosophy. It's wisdom. Mm-hmm. Now this actually takes us, if you don't mind to, to one of the reflections and I want to introduce for the listener what this is about. Let's look at number seven, chapter seven. Right? Yeah, this was our most recent one that we did for our Patreons. And this was a real heavy one because we were talking to some students the other day about friendships. And I was trying to draw from this very translation because one of the early ways that we were trying to translate it was saying that be selfless and then that will make you helpful for people or something. Right, you know, right, or, right. Or in other words, deny your... It sounded too much like it was denying your agency, being a pushover, being weak. And we knew that that wasn't it. Right. It was actually an empowerment that comes from laying down ego. Mm-hmm. So this is, um, this is going to be not only our, you know, our most recent rendering of it, but also a reflection that you had on it. Let's play it, and then we can talk a little bit about it after, after we do. It's about seven minutes. The Tao Te Ching, written by Lao Tzu, translated by Jeff and Stacy Mallinson. Chapter 7 Heaven and earth are long-lasting. They go on and on because they do not exist for themselves, so they endure forever. Likewise, the sage puts herself last, yet comes out ahead. She dies to her ego, yet she finds life. See how this makes her selfless? And this is how she becomes her true self. In this chapter, I'm going to focus my reflection primarily on the the bottom portion. And I want to clarify here that this is not a chapter that is about sort of a self, an unhealthy self-sacrifice where you might be tempted to stay in bad relationships or, or that society is putting certain expectations on you for you to put aside all of your own uh, personal needs or, or rights, and then that's not what we're talking about in this chapter at all. In fact, something kind of quite the opposite. We're talking more about agency and how you find empowerment and how then you can find true freedom. And this happens when it says the sage puts herself last, yet comes out ahead. One example, I was just walking around the park and I noticed on the playground there was several little girls that were playing and one girl gets to the top of the playground structure and she's basically telling the other girls that this is hers, this is her uh, castle and that nobody can come up there, that that's hers and that they have to go find their own. And there's other two girls that were nearby that they, you know, realized that this this one girl's not going to share. So they decided to just go over to the swings and they started playing together and laughing and the first girl just finds herself up there alone on the top of the play structure and she eventually gets bored um, and then wants to go and join the other girls that are on the swings and when we try to own things when we try to grasp and hold on and then say this is mine it ends up usually that we end up often very lonely. We miss out on opportunities to share a moment with somebody else that would 
be far more life-giving and, and, and offer an opportunity for real connection. And we do this all the time in life with things that we own, toys, even grown-ups. We have toys that we don't always share, and we end up being you know, all by ourselves. I mean, think about, I go to the harbor here near the ocean, and there's so many boats that are just sitting there empty year-round, to be honest. And I, it, they just sit there, and I, I'm wondering, where is that life that's to be enjoyed uh, with this recreational uh, craft, you know, these boats. They just sit there, and it's not even getting used, and nobody is, is enjoying them. Seems like a missed opportunity. <laughs> but and it continues, and it says here that she dies to her ego, and yet she finds life. The more that we are dying to a made-up persona that we create... Uh, all the time, uh, we have certain maybe expectations that we think other people are putting on us or whatever. So then we try to develop this persona where we dress a certain way. Whatever it is that we're doing, the, the clothes that we're wearing, the cars that we're driving, the house that we're living in, all of us, it's, it's, sometimes we do this in order just to keep up this, this image. And when you let what isn't authentic about you go to go, it is so much more freeing. There's so much more life that can be found. Have you ever been perhaps at a party where various friends from different walks of your life have, have gathered for some strange reason in one place? So you might have coworkers and maybe a childhood friend from grade school, perhaps you know, friends that you, you know, made maybe as parents that are schoolmates with your children. And have you ever found yourself like wondering, how should I be acting right now? Because perhaps these people see you in different ways in these different circles that you travel in. Or, you know, maybe you act one way with church friends and another way with, you know, with your neighborhood friends. And, and it's real, it takes a lot of energy and it's really hard work to, keep up all of these different images but if you are consistent throughout of just being authentically you there's so much more energy and time that gets freed up that you're just being who you are and when you see somebody that truly is being who they are the life that's in them just shines through and it's beautiful they have a confidence about them that other people don't and you kind of wonder like where does that person get their confidence how you know how are they able to do this and it's just letting go of all of these these layers of these things that are piled on us that we die to that and then we can find such a, a, a simpler easier, more beautiful way to live. And it says, see how this makes her selfless? She is selfless when, when, she's, when she's there just pouring out who she is and sharing the beauty of, of, of her with the world. There's a, a presence and a love that comes with somebody that is being truly authentic and it stops being about that person and it's more about the the life that they are enjoying and sharing with everyone around them and people start to gravitate towards those kind of people and they find that they are in a beautiful way surrounded by love and 
and kindness and, and, and people that really do care about them. And it says, and this is how she becomes her true self. Your true self can be actually poured out when, when you stop worrying about who you are or what, you know, like what you're trying to be for everybody else. And, and those people that are there and if they're just there with you for who they want you to be, when you stop being that, they aren't going to be there anymore. But when you're always who you, if you are always are who you were meant to be, then you can just have freedom and rejoice in this true self that is right there. And I hope that maybe even just in one small way, you can find something that, you know, can you could maybe drop, you know, one little, one little thing that maybe just doesn't feel like it's quite not you that somebody else has put on you just to sort of start to feel maybe your shoulders just a little lighter. And if you master that, then maybe you can go with number two or just, or just rejoice that you've gotten that first thing down. And then hopefully it'll bring a smile to your face. (laughs) Anyway, I hope you enjoy your week. Thank you. I do want to just discuss just a couple of uh, the biggest takeaways from the Tao Te Ching. So with one of the takeaways that I've found uh, for the Tao Te Ching is that even though, like I was saying, it's not just this self-help guide, it really does offer some practical advice, uh, it telling, you know, helping me of when to fight <laughs> or when not to fight. How do you lead people? Uh, what's, you know, so what's the best way? They, there's a lot of talk of like governing and, and leading, but I think generally when it talks about like how you, how you govern or, or the military, some of that stuff or whatever, it, it applies even more broadly to just anytime you're in any sort of leadership role and or just managing your own children and your own existence. That's what I was going to say yeah. is that, you know, for myself as a as a mother and and how do I treat my my children and all of those and and then how do I treat myself? <laughs> you know, having enough self-respect but yet also again being able to lay down my ego or myself in a way that mm. that I that is healthy. Um, and in, and in sort of learning a healthy engagement with the world around me mm-hmm. uh, that is not, you know, it's, it's sort of, it's not about me. <laughs> That's what I'm learning, which is, is so e- you hear that all the time, but what does that mean? What does that look like? And this is getting in depth in what all of that means, taking that apart. And it's very similar to things that Jesus said. Yes. So he says, you know, die to yourself yes. and lose, you know, lose yourself, you'll find yourself, die to, yourself. die to yourself, you'll find life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's why you need these different angles on it. I think what's really interesting is that paradox is so important, is that you, when you realize it's not all about you or not all about your immediate frustrations or needs, then all of a sudden you find that for most of your life, you've been trained and you've been internalizing this task of suppressing your true self. Yeah. So we're all very selfish, but we don't honor our true self. That's true. That's true. We, we're all very egotistical, but we're also destroying all of the joy that our ourselves can have. And we're, we're sort of being molded into the people that other people might want us to be. Because yeah. let's be honest, if they're doing that, they're recruiting an army for what they want done. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if... if People are, are thinking for themselves, and I'm not saying that you wouldn't join in on certain causes, 
but you do want to make sure that you're just not blindly going through life doing somebody else's bidding all the time. Sometimes in culture, society will praise you and honor you for doing something against your self-interest. And they'll shame you when you stand up for yourself and, mm-hmm. and choose to act differently from what they want. The people who aren't so worried about looking good actually can start being good. For the Tao Te Ching reflection for this next week, the one that we're going to be releasing, the reflection in the written write-up. Number eight. Okay. It has a lot to do with it. I mean, it's telling us that to you can you know be like water mm-hmm. um, and that the virtues of, of, of water. But one of them is that it, that water will like settle down into the lowlier places. It's not looking to be on top. It's not looking, you know, it always naturally lets gravity take it down. But because it's in the lower places, there's not necessarily somebody that's going to come behind and try to knock you off that, that pedestal. You know, that same and it, thing. And it uses the natural forces, in this case gravity, to be its power. So instead of using its own power, it receives power. It's, and it, and it's it really shapes, about grace and, and receptivity. Sh- yeah, and it shapes things just yeah. without having to use force in the same way. It's like water is, it, I mean, the Grand Canyon, it carved yeah. out a whole beautiful stones, yeah. canyon, yet it didn't do it with this brutal force that, you know, that just like the way that an earthquake will shake mm. things up and mm. it, it flows. Anyway. So friends, to, to conclude today's episode, we're going to give you one more of these little mini reflections that Stacy does, both with the translation and the commentary. We're not going to come back after that, so you can just relax and just let that kind of wash over you. This is from chapter two of the Tao Te Ching. So what is this chapter? This is an important chapter. Yes. What, what's really the gist of this one, chapter two? Yeah, I think, so this one has, it has, it covers opposites. And I think what's important here is you're starting, we see the concept of yin and yang, which yin energy or yin, the concept of yin is more of like sort of the dark, the female energy, the more, it's a little more passive. Receptive. Compared to yang energy, which is considered more of like sort of the sun and the male energy, the sun meaning (laughs) S-U-N. But that it's action. It's definitely, there's definitely... um, Force. Yes, a force involved. So you have, everybody has sort of the yin and yang energy inside of them. And it's learning sort of what that is and balancing that. And, and, and there's a very important concept called Wu Wei that I'm going to explain in the reflection, but it's, there's this action and non-action that happens. And so anyway, it, it really kind of helps to, if you sometimes are in the, in the doing mode, if you pull back mm-hmm. and reflect on something and see the bigger picture, that you can then pop back in to whatever it is that you're going to, to go about doing or solving in a very intentional way so that you've you've pulled back you've seen the bigger picture and now you know how to act with purpose and anyway it's it's excellent advice it's been something that has been helpful for me to reflect on and sometimes even you know the thinking before you're, you you speak or or act kind of thing you hear that all the time, but this gives me even a, a greater depth to what that's all about. You can get these each week if you become a patron through Patreon. But uh, for now, just uh, sit back and enjoy. Next week, we'll be back with Protect Your Noggin with Jesus. Hope you have a great week, friends. Peace upon peace. The Tao Te Ching, written by Lao Tzu, 
translated by Jeff and Stacy Mallinson, Chapter 2. Once we perceive beauty in the world, we also discern ugliness. After we gain knowledge of goodness, we also recognize evil. Existence and the void give birth to each other. Difficult and easy determine each other. Long and short measure each other. High and low position each other. Tone and silence make melodies together. Before and after march in the same parade. Therefore, the sage manages life without dominating and teaches through living rather than preaching. She lets the living things sprout without judging them and then lets them flourish without trying to own them. The sage creates art without making it her identity. When her art is complete, she lets it be. This is why it endures forever. When I think about this chapter, there's a number of lessons. The first one I see is in this top section where it says, once we perceive beauty in the world, we also discern ugliness. And after we gain knowledge of goodness, we also recognize evil. I think of like when I'm feeling healthy and everything seems to be you know, working right. A lot of times I can just take that for granted. And when all of a sudden I've hurt my hand or kinked my neck or sprained my ankle, then all of a sudden these things that I normally do with ease have suddenly become far more difficult. And it isn't until those moments where I feel that, that I then once again can appreciate when everything is running smoothly. And I think that that's sort of the idea of the, the beauty and the ugliness. If you have in the evil and the good, like once, once everything, if it, everything is status quo, then you don't really have anything to compare it to. But once you understand that there is something better or something worse of some kind, then all of a sudden there's now this spectrum. And each of us in life, sometimes we'll be the one that is on top and sometimes we'll be the one that's on the bottom. And that's sort of, that's kind of the whole way that life works. And because of that, there's... This, there's this concept here in this chapter that is introduced. It's called Wu Wei. And it's it literally in Chinese means non-doing or non-action. It's a very important concept. And it doesn't mean you don't do or you don't act. What it does mean is that you're, you're being a part of the flow of the universe in such a way that it's like a, a mental state or a, or a way of being that you're in perfect alignment with all that is around you so that you move without effort. And that's why we often like to call it, and we'll call it actually in future chapters as surfing the Tao. If you can imagine, you know, you're on a surfboard and you're trying to catch the wave, you still have to get out there in the water, get your board, and you have to paddle and then stand up and ride the wave. But you're not, you're, you're letting the, the wave propel you forward and you're letting it do the heavy lifting if you will you just had to show up (laughs) essentially and I think when I think about this whole concept and later on in this section it talks about how like difficult and easy determine each other long and short measure each other high and low position each other and when we kind of become more aware of 
the great differences, we can sometimes get thrown off a little bit. So if you could imagine if you're sitting there on your board and you realize all of a sudden there's this other uh, wave that looks better that somebody else is catching, you're probably going to fall off your board. Or if you're looking behind you and kind of gloating that maybe look at this wave, look what I caught, you know, haha, to somebody back there that didn't catch a wave, again, you probably are going to fall off your board. You just you embrace the wave and are one with the universe focusing on where you're at right there and then you flow effortlessly another little thought that came into mind in thinking about this whole chapter is a very common situation that I think a lot of people deal with in work but also even at home sometimes it could be anywhere actually it could be in a friend group but it's the idea that when you've had an idea and then whoever, you know, there, maybe there's a boss, say it's a meeting at work and there's a boss that isn't paying attention to what you're suggesting. And then all of a sudden a coworker suggests it and your boss is like, oh, it's a great idea. Let's do that. And you're like left standing there saying, well, wait, what about, I mean, I came up with the idea. That was my idea. And I have noticed that when somebody has an idea and other people think it's theirs, then they will run with it much more with much more um, passion and, and, and actually want it to succeed than if they're running with somebody else's idea. So I would say that a good leader comes up with great ideas, but the best leader makes every, or has everybody else or lets everybody else think it's their own idea. And then everybody works as a team to pull it together. They feel like they have a, a, a piece or a part in it and that they you know they want to make it happen rather than just trying to, you know, fulfill somebody else's dream or, or concept. And I think that's sort of what it's getting at here with when the sage, it says she lets the living things sprout without judging them and then lets them flourish without trying to own them. And the sage creates art without making it her identity. She doesn't need to be wrapped up in, in the success of what she creates. And when that creation is complete, she lets it be. And that's why it endures forever. And I, I think it's it's that that not taking ownership that everybody can embrace it. If, if, if you have an idea and it's good, you want it to happen no matter who thinks they came up with it. If, if you get to step back and see the beautiful creation of what you knew you kind of planted or helped cultivate, and, and bring about, then it's it, you just watch the beauty unfold, and you let all the other players participate in the dance and make it happen. That is where I think the beauty of the whole picture of you know what you're doing comes about. And I, I think that the other really important concept here is it says that the sage manages life without dominating and teaches through living rather than preaching. We can talk to people until we're blue in the face <laughs> but it's by the most powerful mentors the most powerful people in our lives are the ones that we saw the beauty of how they lived and we wanted to emulate that and that is the best teacher that you can ever um, or best teaching you can ever offer to anybody is through your actions and and what you do 
Otherwise, everything else just seems like empty words. And so I, you know, I look to that and, and think of, especially as a parent um, or with any of my family or friends in my life, and, and, and I try to be the bigger person. I try to be somebody that doesn't get caught up in all of the little franticness or anything that just by embracing Wu Wei, surfing, surfing the Tao, and try to live life effortlessly so that everybody else says, what is it? What is it that you've got? I want that. You know, you've got a smile on your face. Why are you so happy? <laughs> well, that's what I want for you all. I hope that we can work on embracing this together and have a great day.